0: When I, was, when I was really young, only just a, well, maybe not even just a really young child, but even when I was a little bit older, um, I was always deathly afraid of the dark. My parents would put me to bed, turn the lights off, and I'd be lying there waiting for the boogeyman or some other scary monster to, to come and get me. And so I'd hide under, underneath my blankets, too afraid to peek out because I was, I was just certain that there was either a witch or a vampire right there searching for me. <laughs> and, and even though I knew that these creatures didn't exist, I, I, I was still terrified. Because, hey, they just might, right? Today, as, a, as an adult, I know better. I understand that there are things that are far worse than werewolves and zombies. You see, there truly are evil things that go bump in the night. And I've learned that the darkness is blacker than I thought. And that's why I desire the light. This, this Advent season, we've been going through this hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, as well as the, the antiphons, the, the, the short Latin verses from which this song was derived, and we've been looking at the scriptures behind each verse, and what we've discovered is that each one conveys a name or a title of Jesus that we find in our Bibles. And we've talked about how the original purpose of these antiphons of old, they, they were there to declare a theme for the days of Advent, for the days that were leading up to Christmas. On our first Sunday, we covered both wisdom from on high and, and Lord of might. We, we, we saw Jesus as both the creator of all, and also the one who judges according to his perfect law. And then on the, the following Sunday, we, we beheld our Savior as a branch of Jesse's tree and as the key of David. And it was from those two names that, that we discovered that Jesus is both God and man. He is the beginning and the end. And we've also discovered that he is the one who holds the authority The authority of determining who can enter into his kingdom and who will be left out. Today we will be looking at two more names Dayspring and Desire of Nations. Dayspring speaks to the light that has entered into our darkened world that dispels the shadows. And reveals truth to mankind. The desire of nations speaks to that innermost longing that's within our own hearts—a longing that can only be filled by this Messiah. So let's let's look at our hymn, see what we can learn. First, let's look at Day Spring. Our, our verse goes like this. O come thou, spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Now, the antiphon from which this verse comes to us was always recited on December 21st, which is the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. And so it was in the dead of winter, when the when the sun was barely seen, that the people would repeat these words in this antiphon. They they would say, "O morning star, splendor of light, eternal and sun of righteousness, come and enlighten those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death." Very fitting words, don't you think, for the day when the sun is scarce. Now, now, when we look at these two verses, what they declare to us is that, that Jesus is this light. That, that he is the light which has entered into our darkened world, giving hope to those who cannot see. And that speaks to one of the greatest metaphors that we have in Scripture, does it not? This contrast between light and darkness. It is in the, in the dark where there is chaos and evil. And it is in the light that we find goodness and security. I mean, what is darkness except for the absence of light? It is a lack of clarity. You see, it is it is in the gloom of the night that that danger lurks. And when there is a lack of light, it's hard for us to move about, isn't it? People often stumble. People often fall. And peril is is hiding behind every shadow. And that's because the wicked, well, they save their evil schemes for the darkness. For a time when no one can see, lest their, their malicious deeds become exposed, bringing upon themselves deep shame. Biblically speaking, the difference between darkness and light is the difference between death and life. And so the darkness is is not just some metaphor that we use, but it is a a tangible reality that we all must deal with. It was in the fall of Adam that man lost his connection with the light, that he parted ways from, from the one who brings true life. And ever since, people have been stumbling in the darkness. Listen to the psalmist as he talks about the way of the sinner. Look at at Psalm 82, verse 5. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. Ever since we have been cast from that garden, the eyes of men have been blinded from the true light. The deceptions of the evil one, have cast a a thick haze over our eyes, preventing the the pure radiance of God from piercing through. And this has caused, caused confusion and much turmoil. It has led to both strife and death. Ever since Adam took a bite out of that fruit, darkness has been our companion. And as a result, death has been a growing despair within us. the the, the shadow that that death casts haunts us day after day after day. And there's no earthly joy that you experience that this darkness will not touch. As a child, you you look to your parents to find comfort and meaning, and yet as as you grow older, you realize that you will not always have them with you. You get married, and on your wedding day, there's great joy. And yet there will come a moment when one of you will leave the other behind. Time passes on and you have children of your own. You have nieces, you have nephews, and eventually you have grandchildren. And it's through them that you experience a whole different kind of love. A love that you haven't had before. But this too is fleeting. For the darkness will touch this as well. The effects of sin, they they reach out their spindly hands and and they grab hold of all that you hold dear. And deep down you you know this to be true. And so you search for that, that, that ray of light, that little bit of sunshine that will bring life from the death that surrounds you. You see, innate within every man is this natural impulse to to banish the darkness. That's why you own candles. That's why you own flashlights. It's why you purchase gas-powered generators. For when the power goes out, you don't want to be left in the dark. This is your protest. You, You say to the blackness of night, you can go this far but no further. You will not enter my door. However, your protest is in vain. For no matter what you do, you cannot turn back death. And yet there is another aspect to this shadow of death, is there not? For very soon you will will find that the more that you are in the dark, the more your eyes adjust. And the more your eyes adjust, the more you become Comfortably numb to this blackness that surrounds you. It becomes your companion. It becomes your refuge. That's why Jesus spoke these words in the Gospel of John. Look at, look at John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And so while we hate the darkness, we we welcome it in because we hate the light even more. And that's because we know that deep down within us there is a darkness And we desire to keep that darkness hidden. We fear its exposure. And yet in his mercy, the Lord our God will not allow his children to be left in the darkness. For he knows that it only leads to death. And so out of his kindness, he sends forth his light. This day spring, this morning star. And he does so in order that he might bring clarity to those who can't see. Look at, look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Dear friends, Jesus is this light that shines in the darkness. He is this morning star that brings life into the land Of death. And that's because before him there is no deed that is hidden. There is no work of man that can evade his sight. He brings warmth to those who are frigid, he he brings radiance to those living in the shadows, and he brings life to those who are on the precipice of death. Christ is this light. And yet even though there is life in this light, men still fear it, do they not? For they know that in Christ their sins, the very things that bring about death, that those things will be exposed. Listen, light, it it is threatening to anyone who will not relinquish the thrones on which they sit. Every sin that you love, every wicked passion that you feed, screams at you to fear the light. And over time, you you eventually find yourself in a position where, where the light is no longer welcome. Rather, it has become intrusive. Dear friends, what is it that you are hiding? What are you afraid will be exposed? What are you not willing to let go of? In truth be told, each and every one of us carry secrets in the dark. Things that cause us shame. Sins that we refuse to relinquish. And so we avoid the light. And yet, this day spring, this morning star, he chases after you. Jesus, your Savior, he is willing to plumb the depths of the darkness in order to pull you out, in order to rescue you. He he took your evil deeds. He he then placed them upon himself in order to bring you into the light. He has unlocked that door to the dungeon, which is your sin. And he has brought you out into the radiant glory, which is himself. And he offers to you his, his light. He offers to you his life. Friends, this this glimmer of hope that you desperately seek, it is the true life that can only be found in Jesus Messiah. If you want a solution to the death that surrounds you, then you have to look to Christ. You have to look to Jesus. For he, he is your true desire. And the desire of all who truly seek the light. And this leads us into the next verse of our hymn of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Jesus is also the desire of the nations. O come, desire of nations bind, all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease, fill all the world with heaven's peace. The original antiphon went as follows. O King of the nations and their desire, the cornerstone making both one, come and save the human race which you fashioned from clay. What is it that the nations desire today? Is it peace? Is it war? Is it a wall of separation? Is it an open border? Is it economic growth? Maybe it's a trade agreement that will create jobs at home. Is it justice for the least among us? Is it handouts for the entitled? And what is it that the nations truly desire? Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9 speaks to this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. When the Jews came out of exile from Babylon and entered once again into the Promised Land, one of the first things that they did was to rebuild the temple. And, and when they had done so, there were, there were some from the oldest generation who could still remember that former temple. And to them, this, this newly built temple seemed to be inferior to the temple that Solomon had built. And thus that older generation, these ones who had, who had seen the original, they were, they were filled with disappointment. But God took a different view of things. For it is not the beauty of the building which makes it great. Rather, it is he who dwells within that gives it its worth. It would be God who would make the temple great again and not its ornate beauty. And if God dwells within his house, well, then the people need not worry. They need not care about the grandeur of the place for Yahweh himself would take care of it. In in our passage from Haggai, God claimed that the desired of all nations would come and fill his house with glory. The question is, what what was he referring to when he spoke of the desired of all nations? What what does he mean? Well, let's look at the the verses one more time. Look at verses 7 through 9 once again. It'll give us the answer. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty, and in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And so, this desired of the nations was the silver and the gold, right? And peace. I mean, is this not what all nations truly want? Prosperity as well as an end to their strife. What what the Lord was saying here was that He would shake the nations and that their treasures would flow to him. I mean, I can't help but to picture, you know, one, one of those old cartoons, you know, with the with the strong villain shaking the weak little man upside down, holding him, shaking him until all the money in his pockets fell out. God was going to shake the nations, until all their treasures came to him, their gold and their silver. But what does gold and silver have to do with peace? Might I suggest that the longing of our hearts have always been for peace and security. In our in our efforts to gain such things, we, we have put our trust in the riches of this world. This is why the economy is usually the issue that determines the outcomes of our elections. Listen, what, what you have to understand is that every generation, whether past or present, have put their trust in silver and gold. We, we think that these things will give us the harmony that we are looking for. And yet in our attempts for, to find peace, we, we have looked away from, from the only one who can actually grant such security. We have turned away from, from the Lord Almighty and have instead chased after idols, believing that, that blessings will flow through them. But all that these idols ever do is create the opposite It is our idolatry that leads to war. The the great reformer Martin Luther once said this about peace. He said, the world's idea of peace is to get you out of trouble. God's idea of peace is to get trouble out of you. You see, ever since the fall, Ever since that darkness has entered into our world, man has been trying to, to, to fill that vacuum in his life. He is at war with God, and, and this has given him an anxious heart. Many a man try to find peace through worldly means. He looks to wealth. He looks to power. He looks to war. He, he looks to that strong leader. To, the, to that one whom he thinks will solve all of his problems. But the world cannot give the security that man truly desires. For true peace can only come about through a different route. It cannot come about through the efforts of men. It always begins through the efforts of God. God must be the one who fills that empty void, who who fills that desire that the nations have. Now there are many people in our world today who already know this. They know that the wealth of this world cannot save them. They know that, that power and worldly strength cannot bring about peace, that only a higher power can deliver to them exactly what they are looking for. And yet they are still missing that connection with the light. And so they will do whatever it takes to find communion with God. This is why we see religious fanaticism today. One man will get on his hands and knees and pray five times a day, hoping to discover a peace from above. Another will fast and, and make pilgrim pilgrimages to a holy site in search of this light. A third will, will cut himself in order to feel some sort of connection. A fourth will sit in the lotus position, right? Chanting mantras, looking for that light within in order to fill that void. And yet this dayspring, this, this morning star that takes away the darkness, cannot be found through such zealous religion. This desire of nations will not be discovered through the efforts of the devout. No. He must come to them first. Dear friends, the the only way that the darkness can be pierced is if this light that has entered into our world pierces the darkness for us. And the only way that you can find the peace that you are looking for is if this child who was born of a virgin This God who took upon human flesh seeks you out. Isaiah chapter 60 says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Dear friends, there will come a time when the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men will unite. And this will take place in spite of our efforts, in spite of all of our religious fervor. For there is only one who can truly bring bring peace between God and man. And that is the one who is both fully God and fully man. Dear friends, do you see it? The, The reason you can't save yourself, the reason you can't bring about your own peace is because you have chosen the darkness. Even with your best attempts, even with your most pious works, you will always come up woefully short. And that is why Christ had to enter the picture. He is that beacon that that lights up the room, exposing the blackness within. He is that treasure that deep down you long for, and yet you are unable to grasp. For the only way that you can obtain such wealth is if that treasure, that light of life, that Son of God first grabs hold of you. Turn back again to Isaiah chapter 9. Let's finish that passage. Look at at verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It was out of God's mercy that Jesus took the form of a man. It was out of his love for you that he traded the gold of his throne for the wood of a manger. And it is because that It is because he went to the cross where he died for your sins, for your darkness, that he bids envy, strife, and quarrels to cease. And he fills all the world with heaven's peace. And of that peace there shall be no end. For the war that Christ finishes is the war between God and men. Dear friends, this Advent season, Christ has come to you. This day spring, this morning star. And he has fulfilled your deepest longings, that inward desire that you have for peace. Will you turn from your sins and put your trust in him? I no longer hide underneath my blankets at night. And it's not because I think that the evil has gone away. It's because a light has entered into my world, dispelling the darkness and bringing to me what I truly desire, which is his peace. Let's pray. Father, we truly are thankful for Your Son, this one who is our day spring, who is our morning star. He is the one who takes away our blackest of sins and delivers us into His light, which is true life. He is our true desire a treasure worth more than gold or silver. He is our peace. He is our consolation. And as Christmas Day approaches, we we ask that you would guide our hearts to him. Help us to set aside the darkness that has clouded our judgment and fill us with your Holy Spirit the one who leads us into all truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs)